Israel-Hamas war first aid trucks move through crossing to Gaza. Nadav Gavrilov Viviany Viviany Ivan Nechapurenko Adam Sela Viviany Hiba Yazbek Hiba Yazbek Viviany 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 Cassandra Vinograd Cassandra Vinograd Viviany Karen's Rake Viviany Monica Pronksak Chavez Clark Monica Pronksak Karen's Rake Viviany Viviany Yang Ung Yang Michael D. Sheer Efrat Livni Efrat Livni Efrat Livni Kevin Yamamura Aurelian Breeden Aurelian Breeden Karen's Rake. A convoy of 20 trucks carrying aid moved through the Rafa border crossing into Gaza from Egypt on Saturday, according to the United Nations, after days of diplomatic wrangling to get food, water and medicine into the blockaded enclave where supplies were running out and hospitals were nearing collapse. HTTPS slash slash WWW New York Times com slash live slash 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 world slash Israel Hamas war Gaza news slash with aid still blocked from entering Gaza hospitals are on the brink of collapse the says mid equals URL share. The convoy carrying life-saving supplies will be received in Gaza by the Palestinian Red Crescent with the support of the United Nations, the UN spokesman, Stefan Dejarik, said. Four of the trucks carried medicine and other health-related essentials, the World Health Organization confirmed, which warned that Saturday's deliveries would barely begin to address the escalating health needs in Gaza. The UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, said that aid must flow in a massive way. The people of Gaza need a commitment for much, much more, a continuous delivery of aid to Gaza at the scale that is needed, he said in a speech in Cairo. The UN humanitarian chief, Martin Griffiths expressed confidence that the convoy, which he said was the result of days of intense negotiations to ensure aid was transferred with the right conditions, was the start of a more sustainable operation. One hope has been that fuel, which Gaza's struggling hospitals need to generate power, be allowed into the enclave, a prospect the Israeli military spokesman, Daniel Hagari, appeared to rule that out on Saturday, at least for the time being. It was not known whether Israel had inspected the trucks before they moved into Gaza, a key demand made by the country. Israeli inspectors are likely to continue to press to inspect any future aid shipments, diplomats briefed on the negotiations have said. Several UN and European officials and diplomats familiar with talks around opening the crossing said that the primary concern voiced by Israel's government was that the aid not strengthen or fall into the hands of Hamas, which killed more than 1,400 people and captured about 200 hostages in its October 7 assault into Israel. Here are some other developments. As the situation in Gaza worsens, Israel is readying a ground offensive in the territory. The timing of any invasion was unknown, but Israel was gathering forces near the border. Military analysts said that an extended campaign could result in heavy casualties on both sides. The Egyptian government is hosting a summit in Cairo aimed at de-escalating the war. In attendance are representatives of the Arab world and Western countries, including many that Arab nations have criticized for being quicker and more enthusiastic in their support of Israel than in their calls to protect civilians in Gaza. Mr. Biden and his top aides are trying to head off any major Israeli offensive on Hezbollah, the powerful militia in Lebanon, believing that Israel would struggle with a two-front war and that such a conflict could draw in both the United States and Iran, U.S. and Israeli officials say. Hamas released on Friday two Americans it had held captive after discussions with Qatar. The country has acted as an intermediary between Hamas and the United States. 
They were identified as Judith Ronan, 59, and her daughter, Natalie Ronan, 17, who live in the Chicago area. The death toll from the bombing, on Tuesday, of a school-turned-shelter in the Magatzi refugee camp in central Gaza rose to eight, according to UNWRA, the agency that administers aid to Palestinians. About 40 others were wounded in the attack, including three UNRWA employees. Leaders from several European nations, including Italy, Spain, Greece and Cyprus, have now spoken at the Cairo Peace Summit, and their speeches were markedly different from those by Arab leaders. Although they, too, called for humanitarian aid for Gaza, the protection of civilians and a two-state solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict, they condemned Hamas's attacks on Israel, which Arab leaders did not specifically mention, and said that Israel had a right to defend itself. Days after Russia invaded Ukraine last year, Mavi Kakui, a technology entrepreneur, fled the country for Israel, more out of shame than fear. But when Hamas attacked his new home two weeks ago, he did the opposite, while at a conference in Portugal, he booked tickets to go back to Israel in one of its greatest moments of crisis. I felt I was on the right side of history this time. Mr. Kakui, 30, said in a phone interview from Tel Aviv. Mr. Kakui, who is from Moscow, was one of thousands of Russians with Jewish heritage, including many prominent figures, who left for Israel after the invasion of Ukraine. Some stood in lines in front of Israeli diplomatic missions in Moscow, some sought to prove their Jewish roots inside Israel. To resettle in Israel, Russians need to show that one adult family member has Jewish heritage. In the early weeks of 2022, when a Russian invasion of Ukraine seemed imminent, a steady stream of people left Russia. That turned into a flood of such proportions after the war started that Russian prosecutors soon sought to impose an operational ban on a major Jewish non-profit agency that helps people emigrate to Israel. A Russian court has yet to rule on the matter. The exodus of Russian families and Israel's decision not to endorse the Kremlin's rationale for the war, the false assertion that Ukraine is run by Nazis, strained the relationship between the two countries. But it also highlighted the deep divisions within Russian society over President Vladimir V. Putin's decision to attack Ukraine. Thousands opposed to the war no longer live in Russia. Others, with their voices amplified by the country's state-run media, labeled the exiles as treacherous traitors who should never return to Russia. The war between Israel and Hamas, the armed group that controls Gaza, exposed the fact that these divisions are deep and enduring. Lev Sotnikov left Russia shortly after Mr. Putin announced a call-up of reservists to join the fighting in September 2022. He said that while all wars carry some similarities, the one between Israel and Hamas is different from the one in Ukraine because, unlike Russia, Israel is fighting for its survival as a state. This war was also a crash course for him on life in the country, said Mr. Sotnikov, 37. This summer, after he settled with his family in the town of Nahariya, six miles from the border with Lebanon, he felt absolutely safe, he said. Since the attack by Hamas, tensions have flared, in the north near Lebanon, with some analysts and officials fearing an escalation of hostilities in the area. Now I understand that even when everything will end, Mr. Sotnikov said, referring to the current war between Israel and Hamas, nothing will actually end. 
After Hamas's attack, many Russian families decided to leave Israel, at least for the initial period of open hostilities. Russian aviation authorities said on Friday that around 7,000 people had flown from Israel to Russia after the attack by Hamas and that around 3,000 had flown back. Russian community chats in some of the main centers of post-war immigration, such as Tbilisi, Georgia, or Yerevan, Armenia, were filled with requests for temporary apartments and other help. Some Russian exiles in Israel said they were surprised that, despite deep political divisions, there was a consensus among Israelis about the need to help each other and their army. Yuri Podkopeyev, a math teacher who left Russia last November, said that unlike in Russia, in Israel people were free to criticize the government but that they were also all united around one cause, the protection of their country. No one questioned Russia's right for existence, said Mr. Podkopeyev, 40. That's why there wasn't any kind of massive support of the war in Ukraine. However, even exiles against the Kremlin's war still see Russia as their motherland, they said. While Mr. Podkopeyev has settled in Israel for good and is learning Hebrew so he can resume teaching math, he said that he considers himself to be a patriot of both Russia and Israel. I have two countries, and I worry about both of them, Mr. Podkopeyev said. One of them is just seriously sick now. Rudho Diaperez is in no shape to be held as a hostage in the Gaza Strip. A 17-year-old Israeli girl who has myotonic dystrophy, Rut, cannot walk and uses a wheelchair. But that didn't stop Hamas gunmen from snatching her on October 7 from a trance music festival near the Gaza border during their spree of kidnapping and slaughter. Rut is now among the large and varied group of captives that Hamas is believed to have dragged back to its underground labyrinth of tunnels in Gaza. She is not built to live in a place like that, said her sister, Yamit. It has been two weeks since the Hamas militant group attacked Israel, massacring more than 1,400 people and kidnapping more than 200. While fears are growing for the safety of all of the hostages, held in conditions that would test even the strongest, the worries are especially intense for the most physically vulnerable like Rut. On Friday morning, Israeli military officials said that most of the hostages were alive, and by Friday night, all those with loved ones held in Gaza received an added injection of hope when Israel and Hamas announced that two hostages, a mother and daughter who are dual American-Israeli citizens, had been freed. HTTPS colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2023 slash 10 slash 20 slash world slash Middle East slash Hamas dash hostages dash release.html. American officials said that representatives from Qatar, an American ally that maintains good relations with Hamas, had helped persuade the group, which controls Gaza, to free Judith Ronan, 59, and Natalie Ronan, 17. It was not clear why the Ronans were released before others. But for all those remaining, it's almost inconceivable what any of them, especially the neediest, are living through. They are being held at gunpoint by the same group that massacred their friends and loved ones. They are trapped in the densely packed Gaza enclave that Israeli warplanes are relentlessly bombing. All around them, food, water and medicine are running out, and fear, rage and hatred are escalating. Everyone inside Gaza, population 2 million, is facing a humanitarian crisis, and governments around the world have been urging the Israelis to allow in desperately needed aid, which finally began happening on Saturday morning. 
Israeli officials said that Hamas had taken at least 20 children, including toddlers, more than a dozen people in their 60s, 70s and 80s, and people who suffer from Parkinson's disease, heart problems, diabetes and cancer. On top of that, several hostages were gravely wounded by gunshots and grenades during the terrorist attack. Family members and international organizations are beseeching Hamas to show mercy and release the old, the young, the sick and the wounded first. The International Committee of the Red Cross is one of the groups trying to help. Within two days of the attack, Red Cross officials said they had approached Hamas leaders in Doha, Qatar. The starting point, and I have a hard time getting away from this, is that there are people who should never be there," said Fabrizio Carboni, the organization's regional director for the Near and Middle East, in an interview this past week. In the past 10 days, he said, the Red Cross has met face-to-face -face and held numerous telephone calls with Hamas officials, but, considering the level of violence in Gaza, I see it as extremely complicated for us to do our work. Red Cross officials said they were asking Hamas leaders to offer proof of life, such as a message, phone call or video that would prove each person believed to be held captive is alive. The Red Cross is also asking Hamas to allow in medicine and to immediately release the hostages with urgent health needs, like RUT. They should all be released, but the ones with specific medical conditions should be even more released than the others, Mr. Carboni said. There is no way easily to provide the medical help they need in Gaza today, he added. We asked for it. But today we are far from it, very far. For the hostages' families, it's been an anguishing, up-and-down week. The catastrophic blast on Tuesday at a crowded hospital in Gaza inflamed passions and anti-Israeli feelings around the world. Israel blamed the explosion on an errant rocket fired by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, another militant group in Gaza, while Hamas officials blamed an Israeli airstrike. Neither side's account could be independently verified, but the bottom line was immense suffering in Gaza and increased risks to the hostages' safety. Over the next few days, Israel continued to build up its forces along Gaza's border, gearing up to invade. Many families of the captives are praying that the Israelis delay the ground offensive until all the hostages are freed. There are few good options. Tactical experts say a rescue attempt would be too dangerous. Hamas has miles of underground tunnels in Gaza, and experts believe the hostages have been split up and are kept under heavy guard throughout this maze. Adding to the gloomy picture is the news that came at the end of this past week that Israeli soldiers had found bodies of Israelis along the border fence with Gaza. It's not clear when they were killed, during captivity or in the initial moments of the October 7 attack. Either way, hostages' families are now under tremendous stress, answering each phone call with trembling fingers not knowing if they are about to learn whether the people they love most are dead or alive. And for the hostages who are sick or hurt, time is not on their side. Hirsch Goldberg Pollen, 23, a California native who moved to Israel with his family 15 years ago, is a captive in Gaza whose arm was blown off by a grenade during the attack. He was filmed in a video being loaded into a Hamas truck, blood dripping from a stump above his left elbow. Rodam Ravivi, a close friend, said it was obvious that if Mr. Goldberg Pollen's arm weren't properly treated, it could be that he isn't with us anymore. 
Hagai Levine, an official with the Hostages and Missing Families Forum, an organization that sprang into existence in Tel Aviv to help the hostages' families, believes the International Committee of the Red Cross needs to do more, like publishing a list of all missing people and hostages. Red Cross officials say they are trying to get this information and are drawing on their experiences from other Middle East conflicts. The organization helped repatriate thousands of prisoners during Israel's wars with its neighbors, going back decades. It maintains an office in Gaza, where, Mr. Carboni said, his people were staying in. Awful conditions to facilitate the release of hostages, like they did on Friday night when Hamas handed over the Ronins and they stepped into a purring Red Cross truck, according to, a short video Hamas released. O plus red plus cross plus hostage sandals equals 1C5GCM underscore Anandic equals video plus red plus cross plus hostage sangs underscore LCRP equals for example dietch JVBWABGJUIOTIHCAQIRGATIHCAQIRPIABCDQ1ODRQMBO3QIAZANSORCID equals chromiandi equals UTF8 hashtag state equals Ivanvold equals SID DD6FB47D vid QI9JOXRG4ST0. Hamas initially threatened to execute a civilian hostage every time an Israeli airstrike hit Gazans in their homes without warning, but has made no further such announcements. While Hamas has said little about those being held, it's clear the hostages have great value to them. Israeli officials said that Palestinian Islamic Jihad is also holding some captives. Musab Albrahim, a spokesman for that group, known to work closely with Hamas, said this week that there is only one way that the prisoners will return, and that is if our prisoners are freed, referring to the thousands of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. Hostage experts say this is one of the most complicated hostage standoffs ever. It's an enormous group of captives, kept in a raging war zone, with hostages coming from many different countries, aged from under 1 to over 85, including civilians kidnapped from their homes or a party in the desert as well as active-duty Israeli soldiers captured from burning tanks. Even the simplest communication, like a phone call to those in captivity, is difficult. Non-state armed groups, with whom we are in contact, are very, very careful on how they establish contact with us because they know that through technology they could be traced, Mr. Carboni said. But all that aside, Mr. Carboni said, it's unthinkable that so many children have been kidnapped. He added that this indignation is not at the expense of our indignation for the kids of Gaza, who, he said, have grown up facing unbelievable brutality and violence. We can't add violence to violence, he said. We need to stop this. The humanitarian aid coming through the Rafah crossing from Egypt will only be able to reach the southern part of the Gaza Strip, where Israel called on people in northern Gaza to evacuate to, the Israeli military spokesman, Daniel Hagari, told a news briefing. He added that fuel, which is essential to continue generating power for hospitals, would not be allowed in. In a forceful speech in Cairo, King Abdullah II of Jordan castigated the world over a double standard that he said it was displaying on the Israeli bombing campaign against Gaza, which he called a war crime and a collective punishment of a besieged and helpless people. The world's silence was sending a loud message to the Arab world, he said, Palestinian lives matter less than Israeli ones. Our lives matter less than other lives. Opening a summit of world leaders in Cairo, President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi of Egypt called for more aid to flow into Gaza and for the world to stand against the violence against civilians in Gaza. 
he expressed bewilderment and amazement at the silent stance that the entire world is embodying. The world's reaction to Palestinian suffering, he said, revealed discrimination or double standards. Palestinian civil society groups called for far greater aid to be sent into Gaza after Israel's crushing siege and airstrikes in response to the deadly Hamas attack. Before the attack on October 7, about 500 trucks a day entered Gaza through the Rafah and Karim Shalom crossings, the statement said. The groups called on the international community to urge Israel to restore water and electricity to Gaza's civilian population and to allow for further aid delivery to all of Gaza, including the north. The World Health Organization called for the protection of aid convoys and humanitarian teams in Gaza as they work to ensure the safe delivery of supplies from the aid convoy and warned that hospitals inside Gaza are already facing shortages and depleted medicine and medical supplies. The supplies currently heading into Gaza will barely begin to address the escalating health needs as hostilities continue to grow, the WHO said in a statement. A scaled-up and protected aid operation is desperately needed. The death toll from the bombing, on Tuesday, of a school-turned-shelter in the Magatzi refugee camp in central Gaza rose to eight, according to UNWRA, the agency that administers aid to Palestinians. About 40 others were wounded in the attack, including three UNRWA employees. The building was severely damaged. The 4,000 people who were staying there have moved to other schools nearby, making those makeshift shelters even more overcrowded, the agency said. Justin Amash, a former Republican-turned-libertarian representative from Michigan, said on social media on Friday that several of his relatives who were sheltering in the St. Porphyrius Church in Gaza were killed when it was struck on Thursday. The Palestinian Christian community has endured so much, he wrote on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Our family is hurting so badly. In a visit to Israel on Friday, Governor Gavin Newsom of California met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and several other top officials. He also visited with wounded victims at a Tel Aviv hospital and with the parents of Hirsch Goldberg Paulin, a 23-year-old who was born in California and has been missing since October 7 after being attacked at a music festival near the border with Gaza. As I reflect back on the extraordinary people I just met today in Israel, I am reminded of the deep connections between my home state and this country," Mr. Newsom said in a statement. President Emmanuel Macron of France welcomed the release of the two American hostages on Friday and praised Qatar for its assistance. Qatar played a decisive role in securing the release of two American hostages, he said in a message on the social media platform X. We will continue our efforts to secure the release of the French hostages. Seven French citizens remain missing after the Hamas attacks in southern Israel on October 7, some of whom are believed to be hostages. Macron also said that France would charter a flight with emergency humanitarian aid for Palestinians in Gaza as soon as possible. On X, formerly known as Twitter, the French president said his nation would also be supporting Egypt's efforts, backed by the United States, to open Rafah. Some shipments of humanitarian aid are currently stalled on Gaza's southern border, but could move into Gaza as soon as this weekend. The Palestinian Red Crescent Society said that Al-Quds Hospital in Gaza City had received a warning from Israel to evacuate immediately under threat of bombardment. The group said the hospital was treating more than 400 patients and serving as shelter for thousands of displaced civilians.